Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel 3CR's look at the Australian film industry and uh, its products and its people and what's going on there. And today uh, I'm going to give you an intro to something that's going to be on on 9 Go tonight, believe it or not. It starts at, it's at 10.15pm tonight on Channel 9. It's been supported by Screen Australia and it's called Special uh, High Life, High Life. And it stars an extraordinary actress, uh, Odessa Young. Uh, and it's about a young girl who uh, experiences unexpected teenage crisis uh, where she uh, uh, it follows her suffering her first manic episode of bipolar disorder. It's quite extraordinary, actually, and it's con- uh, extremely topical to uh, in this uh, framework of uh, uh, misunderstanding mental health and how it affects many people within our community uh, disabilities in mental health. Anyway, I spoke to Luke uh, Eve, who's the director of High Life, and uh, he happened to be in Los Angeles. So forgive the beginning. It just seemed pretty interesting to me. Hey, what are you doing (laughs) in Los Angeles, just as a matter of course? Sorry, what am I doing here? Yeah, what are you doing there? Tell me. Ah, uh, good question. I uh, I actually won a green card three and a half years ago, and I moved here. But I am uh, I'm back and forth a lot. So I sort of made the move, and then realised that there was still work and family and friends and loved ones back home. So I'm I'm back and forth very often. And I just came over about five weeks ago, and have been filming a pilot over here for a online platform for a, a series that I uh, co-created with a colleague. So it's been uh, a bit of fun. Oh, that's fantastic. How do you, how do yeah. you, how do you win a green card? <laughs> I mean, what does that <laughs> no, mean? It's, 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 it's the great American way, obviously. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's, um, um, it's, there's a lottery every year, uh, Homeland security or whatever it is the american government actually has a uh lottery and so you just enter online and if you win uh you go in and you do an interview and provide information and they give you a give you a visa essentially a green card and you then arrive in a country and they say welcome home even though you've never been here before it's very weird so the americans (laughs) are as mad as everybody thinks they are uh yes (laughs) 
<laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's very strange. Oh, it's but they, they hand out something like 50000 a year. It's, it's amazing. And so lots of, weirdly enough, well, I guess not so weirdly, I guess it's the sort of people that would want to be moving here anyway. But lots of friends over the years and in the film industry and whatnot uh, have, won, have won similar green cards. So um, it's quite a popular way to, to shift over here. And, of course, uh, your skill base is, uh, I mean, it's very interesting what you're doing. The reason why I'm talking to you is because of this six-part series that you've put together called High Life. Uh, you didn't write yes. it, but you directed it. It's, uh, yes. it's very impressive, I'll have to say. Oh, thank you so much. That's great to hear. Yeah, well, the whole idea of uh, doing a, a very short pieces, they're about 10 minutes long, a little bit longer, some of them, uh, around uh, an episodic arrangement around a young girl, an ambitious, well-placed young girl who is going through her first episode of bipolar mania. Fantastic. Mm. Well, how did you yeah. get the concept? Uh, so a couple of years ago to LA, I um, just because I, People had told me, look, you know, the thing to do would be maybe to make an online series or web series out there, meet some people, open some doors, put something fresh on your reel. So online series called Low Life, which was a... So Low Life was the beginning. Yes. So I, uh, so I was over here and I, 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 you know, a lot of people had told me to make a, a series and I thought, well, I had an idea and uh, I decided to, to make a series about depression, a black comedy about depression, which was a... A sort of semi auto uh, semi autobiographical tale of uh, of my own yeah. uh, dealings with depression and uh, and also close friends and things like that and I wanted to do it in a sort of uh, you know comedic way I guess that to make it sort of accessible rather than make it earnest and um, and too downbeat and so I I made low life and it ended up being weirdly the most successful thing that I had done um, and. Did you uh, write travelled around did and from that it? I was able to then put together finance to did you, did you, develop High Life. Did you write Low Life? Uh, no, I didn't. I, I, I didn't write Low Life. I, I co-created it uh, with a, a writing uh, colleague of mine by the name of Adam Grissetti. And so we, we sat down and we plotted it together and came up with the concept and then he wrote it. And that's very similar to how we did High Life. I have a, a colleague and and close friend who's also a very uh, close collaborator, uh, Glenn Dolman, I pitched him the idea of High Life and we sat down and again plotted the series and talked about the characters and, and her family and things like that and then he went away and wrote the script. So we sort of go down as co-creators but he, uh, other people have written them. So, yeah, but that you say that, that that's a really good way of getting the best out of everyone's skill base, isn't it? Yeah, I I do a little bit of writing, but I it's not uh, my main talent, and I feel like other people can write much better than me. So it makes sense to actually be working with those people, uh, and then that way I can concentrate on um, you know directing. Uh, and I feel like you know one of my decent skills, I guess, is working with writers and and collaborating and getting stories that way. But I much prefer sort of working with a writer and uh, who has much better skills than I do. So and, and, uh, that's worked really well for me so far. And what is it about directing that you uh, find come, you know, is the magical thing for you? I just love bossing people around, Annie. It's fantastic <laughs> fun. Um, no, it's not. I, I, you know what? It's uh, that's a tough question. To, I, it's kind of a hard answer to give in that I, 
it sounds kind of cheesy, but when I'm on set, uh, I feel like I'm completely at home. It's like the one place in the world where I actually feel like I'm completely at home. Um, it's, it's everything. I guess it's, you know, it's the overall vision of, of having something in your mind and then trying to, to put it into place. And what I love about it is that it's not a solo journey. You're surrounded by dozens of people, all of whom are trying to create the vision that's in your head. And I find that really amazing that, that act of collaboration and all trying to tell a, a similar story. So it's just something that I love. I used to be a photographer and I, I still enjoy doing that, but it's a, it's a bit lonely, whereas um, filmmaking and directing in particular is like a really communal uh, and collaborative uh, medium. So I, I, I love that a lot. And, you know, you get to surround yourself with incredible people, you know, just fantastic actors, but also amazing cinematographers and designers. And, you know, I find that inspiring. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it would be. And it is, in fact. Uh, you've got some great talent. Odessa Young, of course, is the lead, is a superlative actress. Only very young, but very good. Incredible actress. <laughs> and in, actually an incredible human being. Um, I always tell people she's just so young and uh, just so wise beyond her years. Um I met with her, I passed the script on to her and then met with her for lunch and we sat down and we talked about it and she asked the most astute uh, and interesting sort of questions and came at the character in a really interesting way and she's just uh, the most amazing actress. She really is. She just completely throws herself into the character um, and it's just a joy to work with as well, just absolutely a beautiful human. She's just very down to earth and lots of fun. The crew loved her and just gave the most brave, uh, honest performance as well. I feel like um, we knew leading into it that uh, whoever played Genevieve, the lead, needed to be amazing. And everybody had actually said to me, it's got to be Odessa. And so I, you know, we went out to her and I was very lucky that she, she loved the project. So um, she really brought it alive. I've uh, seen her in both of her breakout performances, The mm. Daughter and Looking for Grace, and she's yes. completely different in every one of these roles. She plays know, a young I, girl and I, she's completely I, different. <laughs> I watched those films as well, obviously, in preparation. I, I, I tracked down a whole bunch of her work um, and saw a number of short films that she was in and then obviously um, uh, Looking for Grace and The Daughter. I just think she's incredible in The Daughter and definitely deserved her uh, actor award um but yeah just incredibly versatile like it's just hard to believe that i think she was 16 when she did those films um and uh you know 17 when she did high life but she's got a a huge career ahead of her which i'm really happy for her because she's incredibly down to earth and uh very lovely to work with oh well well, we're lucky and all the rest of the people in the film uh, uh, films are really good as well great support characters Hi, my name is Sophia Turkovich, the director of Once My Mother. Uh, you're listening to Radio 3CR, the real radio station. And you're on Showreel with Annie. And we're talking with Luke Eve. He's uh, made a series of films which actually clip together into uh, a one-hour piece as well. It's quite interesting. It's about a young girl who uh, is uh, going through her th- first episode of uh, bipolar mania, which is uh, a fascinating thing to be able to get across to the world in general. Uh, Luke uh, Eve is the director. The film is the uh, High Life's going to be on tonight on Channel 9 Go at 
10.15pm, so you're getting the heads up. This is the last part of my chat with Luke. Mental health is obviously a dicey business and there's a lot of, uh, uh, well, you know, there's a lot of madness about it, and that's a bad word to use, but, you know, it's a lot, mm. there's a lot of uh, complexions of it all around us. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, what you've done in this particular series I found so fascinating is where in her view as well as how the public or the community around her experiences, completely bewildered. Yeah, we, we, we talked a lot about that, actually. I, I think it's by far the most sort of subjective um, project that I've made, uh, and that was a really deliberate thing that we, we, we felt like a, an interesting way to tell the story would be to really uh, be inside Jen's head and to have a really strong point of view to take us through uh, the story. And we also knew that, you know, when you're dealing with mental health topics, it can be, it's a tough line to walk, you know. Sometimes it can be incredibly hokey and come out of it earnest or, you know, then you can also be seen to be, you know, taking fun of it or making fun of it and being flippant. And so it was a tough line to walk, but we thought by being inside uh, Jen's head as much as possible, then it would be a really honest portrayal. And I think... Um, you know, Glenn and I have both been sort of touched by mental health issues over the years, like through friends and family and people close to us. And we also did a bunch of research and so did Odessa. And so it was something that we we took very seriously and, and wanted to be very respectful of. But we also wanted to show it as something that was, you know, sometimes incredibly wonderful and fun and beautiful, but also sort of tragic and sad. And so we were trying to really show all facets, I guess, or all dimensions of of mental illness and um, whilst at the same time not being sort of too preachy or anything like that, but trying to get a bit of a message across and um, hopefully we do that. And giving a role to the people around her and ra rather than acting as if they were the Inquisition. Yeah, I, I think there's a really interesting sort of point of view shift, I guess, that occurs throughout uh, throughout the story, which we talked a lot about and I'm, I'm sort of really proud of the way we handle that. Um, in that, uh, you know, I, I think one of the stronger points of the story is that, you know, Jen comes from a well-to-do family and she's a, you know, she's a bright spark at school. And so when she starts sort of acting a little odd, people just expect that it's maybe, creative. Um, you know, she's, yeah, she's just creative or eccentric and, you know, it, it, it falls between the cracks a little bit. And it's only uh, uh, Ben, a guy that sort of really loves her at school, um, really notices that uh, she's going through these sort of changes and that it appears to be dangerous and he sort of looks out for her. Um, but it's, you know, it's very common uh, with bipolar that it, it takes place during teenage years and during times of stress like exams and, and often just goes undiagnosed or mis misdiagnosed or unnoticed, I guess, um, and so that was something that we wanted to touch on that I think it's an easy thing for people just to dismiss. And uh, that was why we also did that point of view shift and allowed other people or allowed the story to explore the effects that her behaviour is having on other people for them to be able to notice uh, and hopefully, um, you know, bring about some help for her. So, yeah, you, it was an yeah, in interesting story to juggle. Yeah, I think so too. And you did it really well. I was very impressed. Uh, it's been shown on Channel 9 at, quite late at night, which is quite interesting. Yeah, it's on um, 9 Go on uh, April 13th, I think, at like 10.15 p.m. So uh, hopefully the later time slot doesn't scare too, too many people off, but still 
finds an audience um, because it is sort of aimed, I guess, at a, a I don't know, it, it is a youngish audience, but I think uh, adults can definitely get something out of it and be able to uh, empathize with it. And, um, you know, I think it's quite a broad story and quite a universal story. But, so uh, is this a, was, a crossover from uh, online platform to commercial TV? Because it, the 10 minutes or 11 minutes is an unusual length for a commercial station. Yeah, it is actually. And um, I was slightly uh, surprised that Channel 9 were interested, very happy, obviously. Um, we made it outside of that system. I, I, I received uh, some finance out of Europe and then um, we had Stephen Fry on board as our executive producer and was then able to get the rest of the money out of uh, Screen Australia. Um, and then once it was complete, I then took it to Channel 9. And so at the time of making it, we we made it both as an online series but also structured it so that it would exist as a as a standalone one-hour drama. Um, that was how it was sort of commissioned overseas and also how we went about making it. So it was always intended as a, as a one-hour show that we could then break up into smaller segments uh, and have it um, appear online episodically. So we were... Uh, we were able to get the best of both worlds. And uh, luckily Channel 9 screens it as the, the one-hour show but also then releases the individual episodes on, on 9 now so it can be seen on their catch-up service. Oh, um, how interesting. Which is great. So it, it finds a broader audience that way, I guess. So That's really interesting. It'll be interesting to see if it uh, yeah, screens elsewhere around the world. I, I know it'll screen in France as a one-hour and also as episodic. And we're sort of hoping to do that a few other places around the world as well. Oh, that's really interesting. Now, uh, since you are in the process of uh, doing a new series for online in America, being in America, of course, must yes. make it a much bigger place to play. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, I came over here uh, about a month ago and we just literally last week filmed uh, a new pilot Uh on a show that I've uh, been working on with a, another um, collaborator, uh, this time from Spain, and uh, her and I have been working on this series, and just it's been amazing because it's been available. Well, access to big name actors has been sort of great for us, so we were lucky enough to secure uh, Melissa uh, Fumero from um, Brooklyn Nine Nine, so oh, um, right. as our lead, which was amazing. So great. even though it was only sort of a fifteen-minute pilot, to be able to access certain actors like that who have that kind of celebrity is uh, a big coup. And so the project is out in about three or four weeks' time, and hope that um, yeah, that gets picked up into another series, which would be great. Uh, what are you looking for? A series online or a series with networks? Um, so the project is called Mourners Inc. And I think, I mean, we're trying to actually find, we'd actually be trying to pitch it as a sort of premium online. Uh, so a streaming service like a Hulu or a Netflix yes. or, or Crackle or something like that. Which is a great um, way to go. It, yeah. And I, I think it's a really great way to go because then it can exist sort of as a, sort of as a traditional 30 minute television show, but it can be a little bit edgier and it's a bit darker and mm. it's a black comedy. It's about, um, it's about a company that provides fake but professional mourners to to turn up to people's funerals it's and almost sort of Victorian, lie about but that's the legacy Victorian. that people are leaving behind. Yeah, that's so. the Victorian sort of, you know, that thing yeah. about having dead people in photographs and hiring yeah, mourners. Exactly. And, and this sort of thing actually happens. It's a sort of big in uh, Hispanic culture and also um, – uh, it's really picked up in China recently. Unfortunately, people are just too busy to attend funerals of, of loved ones, so they hire mourners to turn up. And so we thought that was a really fascinating 
uh, fascinating area to explore. So we created a company called Mourners Inc. And um, yeah, that's what the story is about. So it's it's, it's a and bit so of fun. You, what, what you should, you should it. promote it as the uh, other side of the coin to wedding crashes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that could be a really good way to market it, actually. So, in a few in a in a few weeks' time, when we get it out there, um, we might use that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for uh, spending some time with me. Oh, thanks very much, Annie, and uh, thanks for the kind words about the series as well. Really appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Bye. Okay. Take care. Bye. We want to hear from you. Our station is all about serving the community, and we want to know your thoughts, comments, and ideas to help shape our future. We're currently asking listeners to take part in a short online survey that will help us get to know you better and understand what you want from your local radio service. The results of this survey will assist us in continuing to be the best possible station we can be in service of our valued community. To have your voice heard, head to our website and fill out the survey. Yeah, do that. We'd love it if you did. Uh, you're on Showreel with Annie on uh, 3CR as you probably already know because you're listening. Uh, the uh, We were just having a chat with Luke Eve, who uh, is the director of a very fine series called uh, High Life. It's on Nine Go free-to-air channel 93 in a one-hour television special tonight at 10.15pm. And you can go online via the Nine Network's on-demand streaming service to see it in little bits, which is a fascinating way to watch it. Uh, but uh, now we're going to go to a very sad uh, affair. John Clark, the comedian, has died, of course. You probably already know. And um, I was uh, just uh, looking through some stuff from uh, the Australian Writers Guild. Andrew Knight wrote a obituary, a very fond obituary for John Clark. And this, I just thought this would be worth uh, one uh, reading a little bit out of... Uh, Andrew's piece, and then we'll go out with a little bit of Fred Dagg so we can remember the master as he was in his earlier days. Uh, Andrew Knight says, I spoke to Brian Dore, his marvellous comic foil. Brian told me he was a mix of desolation and fury. What the F is he doing dead? <laughs> Once when I was making a typically so so lipsistic rant about growing old, John told me he rather fancied the idea. He said he liked the thought of sitting on the couch with, with his family about grandchildren climbing all over him and boring the living bejesus out of the lot of them. <laughs> Which I just thought was such a John Clark sort of thing to say. Let's hear from him. Uh, yeah, good eye. Now, I suppose you've all seen, as I have, uh, reports in the tissues about the boom we're experiencing uh, in overseas investment. Now, this is a very complicated area, and I think it's probably as well uh, for us to have a little bit of a look at the causes uh, and methods involved before you find that your back garden's fetching a new high on the Hong Kong Commodities Index. Uh, and as the uh, International Finance Manager for Open Slaver Limited, uh, I'm probably, I think, in as good a position as anyone uh, to explain the whole thing to you. Now, open slather is, in fact, a reasonable enough example of what's going on. We were involved initially, of course, in the rubber business in the part underneath the thin bit in South America, and we then diversified into the sugar field in Africa, and we reinvested the profits in various enterprising projects in Europe and Asia. Then, of course, England went into what I can only describe as a fairly steep decline, and we had to shift a good deal of capital into South Africa, where, as you know, the economic equation is particularly well served uh, by some pretty inexpensive labour. 
The problem there is, of course, uh, that it's now widely recognised that one of these days there's going to be a strike in South Africa, and when I say a strike, I mean to invoke the notion more of total war uh, rather than the slightly less catastrophic idea of picketing. Uh, and given the uncertainty that does mark the future in South Africa, uh, we began looking about for another pillow to put the tooth under. Uh, and what we were looking for, basically, was a place that was crawling with natural resources, which we could process, because, of course, the people who process natural resources uh, do tend uh, to make slightly more money out of it than the people who stand out in the sun all day with hats on, harvesting the stuff and putting it under the trees in boxes. Uh, we wanted a country with stable government, and we have every expectation of Malcolm's continued stewardship. We wanted it away from the world's trouble spots, uh, somewhere where the public doesn't really care too much about what's going on, and where the legislation is written only with a very light pencil. And Australia's perfect, really. Most of the people live in the bottom right-hand corner and we're left with a place the size of Western Europe to charge about with with a front-end loader and a big sack. Uh, you get out of me way now. I'll see you later. Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen. Mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR. Yes, Vale John Clark. And uh, it, that Mel that he was talking about was, of course, uh, Malcolm Fraser. But isn't it interesting how the wheel turns? <laughs> We've got another Mel uh, causing havoc on the uh, Australian landscape right at this moment. So Fred Dagg never goes out of style. And, of course, there were various incarnations of uh, John Clark's humour throughout that was, in fact, a, a great tribute to his ability to uh, get across and infer a whole range of things. Masterful writer, so it wasn't surprising that the Australian Guild of Writers, Writers Guild, should be writing an obituary to one of their our major heroes, really, getting across an idea that uh, for all of us... Uh, against uh, the big end of town. And it was also hilarious that uh, John, in amongst all this awfulness, the sadness of a loss, that John's face should have uh, adorned the front of Murdoch's Australian yesterday where there were fond tributes. I thought that was deeply ironical. (laughs) Anyway, we'll miss the man. Uh, we'll go out now with beginning but never the end and uh, coming up next is published or not. Have a good Easter or whatever you do during those holiday days. Caught up in despair Feeling lost and alone Not knowing what to do And believing all hope is lost, is lost. Trying to live life without falling apart. You meet someone new, telling them of the tragedy that occurred. They listen to what you say in time. You will hear, you will never forget.
you will fight to reach your destiny and it will be the beginning but never the end you want a lot of happiness you want a lot with love love but you feel you don't deserve it when your love ones were lost you start a life with the one you love but the memories remain you grieve the fallen and the happiness you had will never be forgotten in the time you were here you will never forget you will fight to reach your destiny and it will be the beginning but never You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.